Hey everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys found me at my little corner of the internet. Today's Tuesday, the 7th of June. And today I'm gonna spend a little bit of time answering your questions. I'm trying to do that a little bit more. And we're gonna talk about why it's so important that we trust the Lord as we shepherd our children through the cultural landscape. Stick around. I think you're gonna be encouraged. All right, you guys, so today is Tuesday, the 7th of June, which means that yesterday was the first day of our study at MomStar International. You guys, check it out. We have a thriving community of moms over there and women, even moms who don't have children are just wanting to get to know God's word better and see how it applies to our everyday lives. They're over there uh, right now at MomStar International launching into a brand new study. You guys are gonna be really encouraged and blessed, so check that out. I wanna start off today And I'm going to get to a couple of your questions, but I want to start out today with a passage in Galatians. There's so many things that uh, are on my heart right now as we kind of enter into this month of June, Uh, but this is a good place to start. I am trusting the Lord. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Galatia. Now, remember, these guys were surrounded. I keep hearing people say, this is the worst time for Christians ever. No, it isn't. You know, uh, look at the church in Corinth. I mean, Paul was bringing the gospel message to people who knew knew about Jesus Christ, right? And who knew of his saving power and had access to the apostles. And yet the Bible records that their churches were filled with sexual immorality. They were filled with false teaching. And so now here Paul is addressing the church in Galatia. And he says, listen, I'm trusting the Lord to keep you guys from believing false teachings. God is gonna judge that person, whoever he is, who is confusing you. And I love that Paul so clearly and so succinctly in two sentences said, A, God can keep you from believing a lie and from walking in such a way that you're gonna be led astray. And also God is gonna judge the people who are confusing you. So he was saying there's a way out and there is a a judgment that is coming, a reckoning is coming. This God's not gonna let this go on forever. And this is a very, very confusing time to shepherd children. And I get uh, emails from you guys all the time. I interact with parents all over the country struggling right now to navigate what in the world is going on around us. We are a nation in a spiritual crisis. We are absolutely in a free fall in many of our churches, but I'm excited and encouraged because I'm seeing more and more pastors begin to just say, no, we're not doing that. We're gonna go back to what we know is true. We're gonna listen to the word of God and we are going to trust that God, the Holy Spirit is gonna help us uh, and and help us shepherd our children to keep them from believing the false teaching that's in the culture right now. You guys heard me address this on yesterday's show, how important it is that we ground our children in the truth. The Bible teaches us that Satan is a master at deception. He's the master deceiver. The Bible calls him the father of lies. And from the time of Eve in the Garden of Eden, the devil has been delighting in misleading human beings. And he's delighting in misleading them right now. I told you yesterday, I hope you guys will, uh, that you'll download and watch Matt Walsh's documentary, What is a Woman? It will blow your mind, the deception that we're under in the culture right now. And I've been saying this for a long time. I'm gonna keep saying it. This is, a, this is the perfect time for the adversary to sow these seeds of deception into the culture because we are a biblically illiterate church. And it turns out that like Eve, we are very easily deceived. And in every generation, there have been false teachers that the devil uses to sow seeds of confusion and draw us away from the truth. And shepherding children in the midst of this, uh, I think it, make, it can, it has the potential of making us fearful 
that our sons and daughters are going to be led astray. And it can it can absolutely happen. And I'm going to get to a couple of those questions today. I'm going to try. I'm trying, you guys. I really am to get to your questions here at the show. So uh, I, I think it's easy for us to focus on the evil that's around us instead of the victory that God has already secured for us. It's already been won uh, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Do you guys know what I mean? Because I hear from you all the time. I'm looking at your questions right now on my computer. I see a lot of you frustrated, a lot of you fearful. And uh, I would just want to encourage you that we can put our hope and we should put our hope in Jesus. Keep trusting the Lord. Allow your hearts the grace that is necessary to lay your burden at his feet. Because when we do this, what we're really doing is we're showing our children uh, that the world of confusion that we live in is not going to sway us from the truth because our hope is secure. God's aware of the struggles that we're facing. And while we do have the primary role of teaching and training our children in righteousness, when all is said and done, God alone is the one who keeps them from believing the false narratives around them. God is going to carry your children through this just as he's carrying you. So learn to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord to guide you as you teach and train your children. Ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to guide the, the, the hearts of our sons and daughters as they grow to recognize for themselves the still small voice that is the voice of the Holy Spirit. This is Paul again. What did he say? I'm going to go back to it so you guys can remember. I am trusting what? I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. I am trusting the Lord. Are you guys trusting the Lord today? Because God's still at work. He wants us to know that his word never changes, that our heart and our attitude toward our children should always be one of teaching them the truth and then trusting that God is at work in their lives and that what God started, he will finish. You can't do that if you're not uh, instilling your children with truth. So it's reading God's word as often as you can to your children. It's talking about things that are happening in the culture from a position of biblical authority, knowing God's word. Remember I said a few moments ago that one of the main reasons we're struggling the way that we are right now in the culture is because we have, we're have we finding ourselves in the midst of a biblically illiterate generation of Christians. So uh, men and women who claim the name and promises of God, they know every lyric to every Christian song that's on the radio, but they don't know God's word and they can't defend it. And that is what is so important to know. So when it gets hard, this is the second part of that verse and I love it so much. When it gets hard, there's two things to remember. First of all, uh, we trust the Lord. Like we do our part, but then we trust the Lord. But when it's all said and done, God is going to make things right one day. The Bible says very plainly, he will judge those who have made deceit their mission. Truth belongs to God. He is the one who defines it. And the ground that you stand on as a child of God is solid ground. So stay close to the word of God. Stay close to the Lord. When, you, when your heart falters, when you start to feel discouraged, turn your eyes back to him because you can trust him. He's trustworthy. Your kids need to know that you trust the Lord. And I've said this many times. Uh, my grandma used to tell me this, and it, it sort of grew and germinated in my heart that um, I either believe God's word or I don't. And this is certainly true uh, in my life right now as I'm facing an incredible challenge here in Southwest Washington as I'm running to, to represent uh, the people that live here. As we traverse the the culture. And as we do what God asks us to do, we either trust him or we don't. We trust him for finances. We trust him for wisdom with our children. We trust him in our marriages. We trust him in our businesses. We're going to trust him uh, even as we, the headlines and they are, you know, it is very scary. I'm with you guys. I mean, we're reading about a national uh, uh, food shortage. Certainly we're starting to see that on the shelves. It's absolutely true. I told you guys several years ago that God had laid it on my heart to really, um, 
shore up the the uh, the food supply at our house. And so I got together with a bunch of my sisters and we basically uh, came up with a plan that would help us feed our families in the event of an emergency. So it's not wrong to be prepared. It is, it's wrong to panic. We don't want to panic. All right, panic is sin. Panic says, I don't trust the Lord. What we, but we, we do our part when, when we do what God asks us to do, whether it's training our children or preparing for the event of an emergency, whether it's a, a national food shortage or a hurricane or, or a volcano, if you live in my neck of the woods, although they're really not that common, don't believe everything you hear. Uh, God says to trust him. At the end of the day, this belongs to the Lord. And the Bible says that he is going to make things right. There is a reckoning that's coming. And in the meantime, our job is to simply trust him. I'm gonna take a quick break. I'll be right back. All right, ladies, I know what kind of a beating good towels can take. Believe me, with seven kids, towels are used for everything from cleaning up an accidental spill on the kitchen floor to drying off your four-legged buddy. You want your towels to stay soft and absorbent when you need it most for bath time, right? Well, my towels from my pillow are the best towels ever. They come in seven colors, have a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Seriously, it's a game changer. Listeners of the Heidi St. John podcast can get up to 66% off by going to MyPillow.com and using the promo code Heidi or by calling 1-800-447-0541. All right, you guys. So I'm looking at your questions. Like I said, I'm going to try really hard to remember to get to them. Uh, in the show every day, if I can get to a couple of them. But this one was a really good question. She said, Heidi, we are obviously in the beginning now of Pride Month. What do you say to people who say it's important for us to love everyone the way they are and to celebrate uh, love because love is love? All right, so first of all, love isn't love. That's a lie. Love comes from God. God defines love. The Bible says greater is no greater ha- love has no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. The Bible says that God is love. Jesus said himself, I am truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And I'll tell you, I'm seeing a lot of Christians sort of buying into this pride thing. So I'm gonna take your question, maybe go a little bit of a different angle with it today because someone sent me a meme about um, straight pride. Right, so it's straight pride. It showed a husband and a wife, and they're kissing and whatever. You guys, pride should not pride should be stricken from the vocabulary of people who are trying to uh, to advance the gospel. Uh, pride is something that God hates, and there's a difference between the kind of pride that God hates, right? Proverbs eight thir- thirteen, and the kind of pride that we feel about a job well done, or the the pride that we feel over the accomplishment of a loved one, or we feel because we know that that we're um, loving what God loves. But I still don't like it when I see straight pride. I don't like that anymore than I like uh, seeing, you know, homosexual pride. Pride is not the word that we that I would use to describe any movement that's related uh, to God. The kind of pride that stems from self-righteousness or conceit, the Bible says, is sin. And God hates it. Why? Because it's a hindrance to seeking him. That is the problem. I'm going to quote to you from an article I found in gotquestions.org, one of my favorite uh, sites on the internet, particularly as it relates to questions like this. And it says, Psalm 10.4, I'm quoting now, and I'll I'll link back to today. Psalm 10.4 explains that the proud are so consumed with themselves that their thoughts are far from God. Quote, in his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. This kind of haughty pride is the opposite of the spirit of humility that God seeks. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is why I don't like it when I see people talking about straight pride. You know, our pride 
and our, our thankfulness should be focused on the Lord. And so the Bible says in Matthew 5, 3, the poor in the spirit, right? Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. And who's the poor in spirit? These are the people who recognize their utter spiritual bankruptcy and their inability to come to God aside from his divine grace. And so the proud, on the other hand, are so blinded by their pride that they think they have no need for God or worse, that God should accept them as they are because they deserve his acceptance. The Bible has a lot to say about the consequences of pride. And I think it's amazing that we have as a, as a culture, we've got a whole month now that's dedicated to the sin of pride. Pride is one of the things, one of the seven deadly sins. And in fact, throughout scripture, we are told about the consequences of pride. The Bible tells us that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit. This is Proverbs 16, 18, and 19. And among the oppressed than share in the plunder of the proud. Wow, you guys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is a good verse for us right now, right? Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. I think there are a lot of Christians right now are kind of feeling sorry for themselves because we, we've seen such a shift in the culture. And God says it's actually better for you to be with the lowly in spirit and the oppressed than to share in the plunder of the proud. Uh, Satan was cast out of heaven. Why? Because of pride. He had the selfish audacity to attempt to replace God himself as the rightful ruler of the universe. But the Bible says Satan's gonna be cast down to hell in the final judgment of God. And for those who rise up in defiance against God, there's nothing ahead but disaster. We read that in Isaiah 14, verse 22, it says, I will rise up against them, declares the Lord of hosts. I will cut off from Babylon the names and remnant and descendants of posterity, declares the Lord. Pride has kept many people from accepting Jesus Christ as their savior. Uh, it's hard to admit our sin, right? It's hard to say that in our strength, we can't do anything, right? We want to be able to say, we, we want to be a, a self-sufficient uh, people, but it is what God says that counts. And God says, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. That's a, you guys, we need to hear that. It's not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one who the Lord commends. This is so powerful right now for so many reasons. And I think we're starting to see uh, the church start to waken up to it. God says pride is wrong. We want our uh, source of pride to come from the Lord. I saw uh, someone sent me a thing that said, you know, my pride is in the red, white, and blue. Well, it is, you know, my, my, my pride in a good sense for being a citizen of this country. I'm so proud that I live in the United States. Well, I used to be more proud than I am now. But the fact of the matter is we want to be careful not to translate that into a sinful pride. The Bible says pride is sinful. And I'm quoting again from Got Questions. Pride is sinful because it's giving ourselves the credit for something that God has accomplished. Pride is taking the glory that belongs to God alone and keeping it for ourselves. It's essentially self-worship. And anything we accomplished in this world would not have been possible if it weren't for God enabling and sustaining us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 says, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why did you boast as though you did not? This is why we give God the glory because he alone deserves it. God alone deserves the glory. And we wanna be sure that no matter what it is that we're facing in, in, in our lives, that, um, as God gives us answers, as he rescues us, as he provides for us, that we give glory back to him. And this is why I believe so many of us as Christians have forgotten that uh, 
this movement, this pride movement really does grieve the heart of God and Christians should have nothing to do with it. Even if it's talking about straight pride, you guys, I just think we need to stop it. All right, an anonymous question from Oregon. Advice for how to speak to a left-leaning daughter who hates Republicans. Oh, uh, of course, you're from Oregon. (laughs) What can I say to my NEA sympathizing left-leaning daughters who gutturally hate any candidate with an R on their ticket? They seem to be convinced by public school that the only solution is to tear down the system and start over. Quite naive, but I know it's real. What can we say to this lost generation and uh, that and can't believe anyone's promise to fix it? So first of all, I think I always like to start by asking questions. So this NEA sympathizing, by the way, the NEA has um, highlighted a transgender man as their sort of you know teacher for the month of pride. This person's had what he calls bottom surgery. Just don't even look it up. It's horrifying. And this is the NEA's person that they're putting forward to uh, basically convince other young children that transgenderism is a good idea. And without being rooted in the Bible, um, and it sounds like maybe your daughters are not rooted in God's word, I would encourage you, first of all, you want to pray that that God gives you the words to say. And then second of all, I would always, I always like to start by asking questions. How is it working? You know, take them through downtown Portland. How is it working? As you see, uh, these people living all over the streets now, the, the streets of downtown Portland is a crime-ridden uh, cesspool now because of the leadership that is running that city. How is it working? So that's a, a really great place to start. The unfortunate thing, and I talked about this yesterday, is that there's so much deception in the culture. Satan is the master deceiver. He's been deceiving people for thousands of years. And every generation has its own unique kind of deception. And we are dealing really with a spirit of evil that I have never seen before in my lifetime. And I think that is why, and I keep telling parents, pull your children out of these indoctrination centers. The Bible says that when a student is fully trained, you'll be like his teacher. And that's exactly what this anonymous listener from Oregon is saying. Her student, her daughters have become like their teachers. And that's exactly what uh, the Bible warns about. And so mama, I would just say, Uh, Talk to your kids and ask them questions. Show them the devastation that is coming from transgenderism and from puberty-blocking hormones and from uh, left-leaning policies like defunding our police. How's that working for us? So we we defunded the police. Now they want to take your guns away from you. How's that going to work when you can't defend yourself and you've got a culture in crisis around you? Uh, It's very naive. But I'm going to encourage you, you know, continue to pray for your kids. Don't let these things uh, steal your role as their mother. You know, we don't want to, I've, I've, I've gotten letters from uh, moms on my show recently who've just said, man, I just can't even talk to my kids anymore. Um, and I know it's difficult, but keep those conversations going and point out sin when you see it. All right. Point it out. Uh, don't be afraid to tell the truth. But the Bible says that a harsh answer stirs up wrath, but a quiet answer uh, unites people. So that's what we really want to do. One more question really quickly, Katie in Jacksonville, advice for homeschooling for those who can't afford to stay home. Heidi, I've been listening to your podcast. Uh, just recently, and I'm so grateful for it. Thank you, Katie. I just finished my uh, listening to the podcast with Sam on the education system, and it piqued my interest about homeschooling. But my question is about individuals who can't afford to stay home to homeschool. Thank you for your information and knowledge. So Katie, here's the thing. I have come to believe in my life that where there's a will, there's a way. And so much of what I hear and I'm not saying it's not hard. It's very hard. You know, we, my husband and I homeschooled seven children on a very, very, very tight budget. All of our stuff was uh, hand-me-downs for years and years and and uh, garage sales and thrift stores and all the things. And there were seasons that were very, very difficult. But for me, 
And for my husband, we decided that our children were worth it. And so we were willing to do what other people in the country right now, if we, if we really stop and think about it, and, and frankly, um, we've got issues with housing, we've got issues with inflation, we have a leadership crisis, which is why I keep telling you guys, we need new leaders. This is not going to get better. We're headed into a recession. There's no doubt about it. But if you have looked at everything in your power, I mean, I sold Tupperware for years and years. I did all kinds of things. I There was one season where my husband and I went through our home and we just basically took out everything that we could sell and we had a garage sale. And that was how we made our rent that month. And we did that because I wanted to stay home with the kids. And there were seasons when I worked nights at the hospital. So Jay and I were kind of like two ships in the night. So he'd come home from his day job and we'd sort of high five at the door. And I'd say, there's a casserole in the oven. And I would go to work and I would work the night shift. And we did that for many years also. And we did that so that we could keep our children home. It was very important to us. I understand that there are certain situations. I don't think that they're as common as everyone would like to say that they are. I think it has a lot to do with what we choose to do and uh, refusing to see ourselves as victims and instead going, all right, we've got, we've got an income problem here. How can we make more money? You know, what does that look like? Um, but for those, of, for those people who are truly in that situation and they say they can't afford to stay home to homeschool, my answer to you, my strong advice is get to know your child's teachers. Just burrow yourself into that school. Find out what your kid, you're going to have to work harder than the average bear, right, to keep up with the lies and to counteract what they're hearing at school. I'd be very careful about how, who I let my kids hang out with. I would know their friends. I would know their teachers. And last but not least, I would just encourage you, be in the word of God every morning with your children. So get them up early, open up the word, um, help them strap on the armor of God before they walk into that environment and God will honor it. God will honor it. You help your children put on the full armor of God. Why does the Bible say? So that they can stand against the schemes of the devil and then you pray over them. So that would be, that's my counsel. And uh, I hope that it helps somebody out there who's listening. I appreciate you guys listening. I'm out of time for today. I wanna remind you again, we have a brand new Bible study starting right now at momstronginternational.com. I so appreciate you guys listening and uh, I'm praying for you. I really, really am. Thank you for sending these letters in to me. You guys are awesome. I appreciate it. Keep them coming. I wanna hear your off the bench stories. And for those of you who are interested in doing a short segment on the show, your contact information as well. And you can submit that at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. Have a great day, everybody. And I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.